0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: David's been using this, something he uses to worship God. Other people have heard it and said, wow, you do that well. You do that very well. And it's brought him into places. It's gonna literally bring him into the king's palace. And that verse says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Don't be shy about your gifts, you guys. Don't be shy about your gifts. You never know. God may set you up, God may give you opportunities. Don't ever turn down opportunities to
0: use the gifts that God has given you. Each of us has been endowed with a special talent. It could be singing or playing an instrument that you are exceptionally skilled at. However, have you ever questioned whether your skills are truly useful or only a waste of time? In today's message, Pastor Bill explains how you can use your gifts to serve God. God employs a variety of methods to use your skills for His glory. When you embrace and develop them, all you have to do is improve your skills and limit your use of your gifts for the glory of God. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. As he continues his message, God looks at our hearts.
1: The Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That's important because in that day, the Holy Spirit could be given and taken. But we're told here that when the Holy Spirit was given to David, he had it from that day forward. That's not a given because we're going to see in the next verse that from Saul, the Holy Spirit is taken away. The Holy Spirit came upon him from that day forward. So Samuel rose and went to Rama. And I don't want to skimp over this. It's a big deal that the Holy Spirit came upon him because that would be the power. That would be the power which David would serve the Lord. That would be the power that would enable him to do the things that he would do for God. We don't serve. We're not supposed to serve God in our own might and strength and power. It's under the power of the Holy Spirit. In the early church, Jesus in his in a resurrected body said, wait in Jerusalem. Y'all aren't ready yet. But we've been with Jesus for all these years. You're still not ready. We've had teachings directly from Jesus. You're not ready. We've seen the risen Christ. You're not ready. Wait in Jerusalem until the spirit comes upon you. Then when the spirit comes upon you, this is verse X 1:8. Then you will have power to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth. Don't go without this. And they waited. And on the day of Pentecost, they were all together praying and the Holy Spirit fell. Power came upon them. And that's when the church was birthed and power was upon them. So you and I need to be mindful of this, right? Maybe you got gifts. Maybe you got knowledge. Maybe you got education. Maybe you got this. None of that in and of itself is suffice for the service of the Lord. I need I need the spirit of the Lord upon me. I need God's power upon me. And so we pray for that. We ask, Lord, pour out your spirit upon me. Baptize me in your spirit. And you can't pray that without being willing to yield. I can't say, God, it's not like magic. It's not like, say, God, baptize me in the spirit. Bam! Like it's like a shazam. And you're going to get whopped or empowered. I got to be careful now. These new words are changing. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Harmony. Uh, so, you know, the spirit will come upon you and empower you and equip you to do what you can't do in your own might and your own strength. And so we seek the Lord for his power upon our lives. We need God's strength upon our lives. And so I need this on a regular basis. I don't ever come up here without praying, God, please. I sit back there, I'll go to the bathroom, but I pray before every service, God, please. God, please part your spirit upon me and do me with power from on high. Give me give me your give me the ability to speak in a way that people will hear and understand your word. I ask him that every week. I don't believe in my ability to communicate the way God wants or what God wants. But I believe in God's power to enable and to equip. And so every one of you, whatever sphere of service you're in, wherever God has you serving, wherever your gifts are, you ask that from the Lord regularly say, God, Please pour out your spirit upon me. Give me power in which to serve you. And here's the thing. There's an agreement here. When you pray for God to pour out his spirit upon you, you also need to be willing to yield to how he will direct. The spirit upon your life is power to do, but there's got to be a willing heart to you got to be willing to go. Or it doesn't work. You can't just say, fill me with the spirit, Lord, do something great to my life. And then everything God prod you to do, you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And no, I'm not going to talk to them. No, I'm not, that's, I'm not doing that. You got to be willing to go in order for God's power to, to have its full work in your life. And so David is from this point on, the spirit of God is upon his life and it's going to be a big deal. Now, look at the next verse, verse 14. But in contrast, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, some people have trouble with that. They're like, wait a minute. God a distressing spirit from God. You mm, know, God did that. Does God send the EBGB spirits? Does God send wicked spirits? So let me explain how this works. First of all, God did take away Holy Spirit from Saul. Boom, gone, which is so sad because Saul had access to everything he needed to serve the Lord greatly. And here's the thing with Saul, because Saul wouldn't yield to the spirit. Because he wouldn't obey the Lord when he had that, now it's taken away. Now in place of that, now when it says that the stressing spirit from God, it happens in a it's from God can happen in two ways. It could be God actively doing something or God passively doing something. If God just removes his hand and says, look, I'm no longer protecting you. The devil was already trying to get you. Now that I've removed myself, he's coming. I'm removing my protection from you. It's in that sense when it says that the distressing spirit from God. It's not like God had a distressing spirit. He says, wham. God just says, Saul, I'm departing from you. Now, Satan is going to have a field day. That's essentially what what takes place. This distressing spirit from God is God's removal of his hand, his power, his protection. Provision for Saul because Saul was rebellious and disobedient because Saul wouldn't do what God wanted him to do. Um, God says, "All right, I remove all that from you." Now the enemy is going to torment him. We're going to see the rest of Saul's life is gonna, he's going to look like a crazy man. Saul will look like someone with a mental disorder. For the rest of the book, um, there'll be moments where he's convinced David's trying to do something to him. And then another moment, he's like, I love you, David. Oh, God. And he's going to go back and forth. He'll be sitting there and worship for one minute and boom, chuck a spear at him the next. I mean, he's just going to go. It's going to be a, nut, a nutcase. And I just want to point this out. Right. All of this could have been avoided. Had Saul just continued with the Lord. I know people had they just continued with the Lord their life would be okay, But because they rebelled against the Lord and tried to do it their own way and then didn't try to push God away and went after other things, their life was a mess. And so we want to be careful. Now, we're in a different era. Right. When I hear those words, right, that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. I'm like, man, you know that that can never happen to us. Everybody just say, thank you, Jesus. Because y'all, we do bad stuff, too, don't we? Do we mess up? Do we fall short? He would have left me, too, probably, but I like, Thank you. I'm glad that, that God says, look, here's the Holy Spirit is a, de- a deposit. You, um, that's proof that you're mine. I'm not going to take him away. Holy Spirit will be with you. He's going to be in you. We need to be able to rejoice. That's the, the new covenant. That's why we have a better situation with the That's why Hebrew says, man, we got a better we got a better everything. We got a better covenant. We got a better high priest. We got a better everything about what we have in Jesus is better than what they had here. This is one of the reasons why I don't want the Holy Spirit to be taken from me. I need help. I mean, I need God. And so I just want I want us to understand that we are greatly. We've been greatly benefited by God's indwelling power of his spirit and, and the fact that God will pour out upon us as well. So again the spirit of the lord departed from Saul and a distressing spirit from the lord troubled him verse 15 and Saul's servant said to him surely a distressing spirit from god is troubling you. Interesting that those around Saul could see what was going on evidently he couldn't. And many times that's the case. Many times people around will see that man you're not where you need to be. Things are not quite as they should be. But for whatever reason, Saul couldn't see it. And so they're going to come up with their own remedy. This, what can we do for Saul? Verse 16. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you and you shall be well. So Saul's man said, look, this distressing spirit is upon you. But let us tell us that we can go find you someone that can play the harp for you. And they believe that there's spiritual power in music. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. And when they play the harp for you, Saul, it'll be that the distressing spirit will leave. Somehow, Saul's men were convinced that this evil spirit that's distressing you, if we can get a skillful player of the harp, somehow the playing of the harp is going to cause it to go away and you'll be, you have some peace, you'll be well. And so they said in verse 17, so Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Now I think this is so amazing. You got coming from the highest office. You got the king saying, go find me a skillful heart player. Now, in our world, when we say I want somebody that can really do the thing, I want a skillful heart player. And though, sadly, the world go look to some worldly person. At this time, the world was like, man, we got to find us a guy. And guess who they're going to end up finding? David. The best guy they can think of was this kid out there. They must have been going by while he was washing his sheep. And they're like, did you hear that? Listen, to- Well, he tearing it up. Hear him play this. You know, they they heard somebody. Somebody was aware of David and his ability to do this. And uh, so look at verse 18. So when, when one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and handsome and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. I want you to think about this. Look at this testimony of this young man. This is a solid testimony of a young man. It, I'm just going to say it one more time. It says he's skillful in playing. Right. So he can play. The, he can play the thing very good. He's a mighty man of valor. Somebody done seen David take down something. They're like, he is no punk. This brother is solid. Mighty men of valor meant that you was a bad dude. You could do the thing. You know, rather you was fighting in war or taking down animals or whatever the case was. It says prudent, a man of war, prudent in speech. So he spoke well, handsome person. And most of all, the Lord was with him. That was his testimony. That's a great testimony. I mean, this right here, any of you single sisters bring a brother with this, I'll marry y'all off right away. We'll say that's a good brother right there, man. And the Lord is with them. That's the most important one. But what a great testimony. And um, there's a verse I want to give you guys. Uh, Write down Proverbs 18, verse 16. It says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. David was out there exercising his gifts, his talents, his abilities. And look at where it's going to bring him into King Saul's palace, um, right where God wanted him to be. I bring this up for this reason. What if he had been shy about using his gifts? What if he had been like, oh, I don't want to hear. I'm not going to play at night when no one can hear whatever, whatever. This, none of this happens. But somehow David's been using this something. He uses to worship God. Other people have heard it and said, wow, man, you do that well. You do that very well. And it's brought him into places. It's going to literally bring him into the king's palace. And that verse says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Don't be shy about your gifts, you guys. Don't be shy about your gifts. You never know. God may set you up. God may give you opportunities. Don't ever turn down opportunities to use the gifts that God has given you. Unless God is telling you, you know, if you have gifts that God gave you for his glory, and he gives you opportunity to use them for his glory. Use them for his glory. Not so that God will bless you and hook you up. Use them for his glory always. But you also never know what God is doing through your willingness to do so. Right. Your willingness to do it again. I bring up, you know, when I went to Calvary Downey, which is it's a mega church. And I walked into this church and God told me that this is where you're going to be. And I, thought, I came out of a little small Baptist church where, you know, everybody could serve because they needed everybody in there to serve for the thing to work. And I went there and I thought, there's no way I'm ever going to preach here. I preached. I had preached my first couple sermons at my old church. And I looked at this church. and I thought I'll never preach here. It's just like thousands of people. I'm looking at all the stuff going on. But you know what? You know, you know, when I preached my first sermon there on the mission trip in Ensenada on the roof of a building devotions to little kids. But, you know, what came of that, that we come back to we, we come back to Downey and the guy that was a pastor was like, bro, we didn't know you could teach. You should be teaching on a regular basis. And we're going to put you in a rotation on Sundays. Whenever I'm sick, you're going to come and you're going to fill and you're going to teach. And they just stretched me out and boom. And that, but the first time I ever taught at that church was not at the church. It was in Intonada on a mission trip with orphans on a roof with some high school kids. That was the first time. And that brought me all the way back to Downey. That brought me initially to doing teaching in the main and on from there. Right. Whatever your gift is, whatever gift God's given you, don't be shy about it. And don't be unwilling. Don't be unwilling. You never know what God is, how he sets you up. Right. They're going to come looking for David because they're like, you know, I I think it's so cool that when they got to look for the best, they're like, man, we found a man of God. The best we could find is this guy, this young man. Verse 19, it says, therefore, Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat and sent them. By his son, David to Saul. Remember that when God, when Samuel told the people, when you guys get you a king, he's going to take your sons. If you guys have good sons or good daughters, he's going to take your kids. Well, here, here again, that's happening. That, when the king said, give me your son, you couldn't say, no, he's watching my sheep. Who going to watch my sheep? You had to say, yes, sir. You see that Jesse said, yes. You know, sent them sent food and offering and some goodies with him as he goes. He said, yeah, here he comes. He'll be, he'll be there tonight, sir. Uh, he, he sent him right away. And so verse uh, sent him with a loaded donkey with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat. And he sent them by his son, David, to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. I'm not gonna beat that up again. We talked about that already. So uh, so David became one that would carry Saul's armor for him. It says then Saul sent to Jesse saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. So, right away, you know, David, I mean, David loved him. Saul had just favor for David right away, and just say, Hey, please let him stay with me. I want him to stay. Um, and I want you, this is a kid that check this out at his dad's house. He wasn't even important enough to bring out before Samuel. He had the least important job watching the sheep. And just like this, because he's a man of God, he's in the palace with King Saul. And I mean, he's going to eat palace food. He's going to drink palace drinks. He's going to be living palace life. Uh, And what's he done to deserve all this? Just obey. Just love God. All David did. Just love God out there obeying God, watching sheep, playing worship songs, loving on my Lord. And God's like, here, I'm going to exalt you. Right. He didn't do anything to exalt himself, did he? Don't ever forget that. You don't ever have to exalt yourself. If you are a man of God, a woman of God, a person that belongs to the Lord, the Bible says that God raises up. God sets down. We don't ever have to do it ourselves. You just got to walk with him. And in his timing, if there's something he has for you, nobody can keep you from that which God has for you. And No one can take away from you that which God intends for you to have. So there could be great security. There should be no insecurity among the man or the woman of God who knows that they're just there where God wants you to be. If something can be taken from me, then God has allowed it. It's okay. God's sovereign over my life. I don't have to fight for it. If it can be taken from me, then it's not mine. And if it's mine, it won't be able to be taken. I don't have to I don't have to play games or try to keep it or whatever. I just got to be walking with God. All David did. Love his Lord. Obey his dad. Watch the sheep. Worship God. He's in the palace being used by God for supernatural work. Now it says in verse 23. So it was whenever the spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. And Saul would become refreshed and well and the distressing spirit would depart from him. I did want to save this for the last. Right. I do believe that there is spiritual power in music. And so David, it doesn't say he had words. He just was playing, but he was playing for the Lord. There was anointing on David's playing. When David played, the evil spirit left, departed, took off. Somehow they, the people in Saul's care, they understood this, that get me someone that can do this. And it, it, the evil spirit will depart from you. You'll be well. And it works. When the evil spirit was bothering Saul, David would come and get on this harp and play. And there was something God was doing in that. It was not this was not some benign playing of a, a harp. He would play and the evil spirits had to leave. They departed while he was playing. And so I want you to know this, that Satan started off. As in heaven, it says that, you know, he he had in his very being and he was an angel, the anointed cherub that covers. He was an overseeing angel. He had authority over other angels. And it says in his very being were trembles and pipes. That's why people say that Satan was a worship leader in heaven. That's why he was involved in the music way back when he somehow got to a point where he was no longer content to bring glory to God. He wanted glory for himself and got himself kicked out. Well, we have to know that there is power in music. The original music, the first music ever made was made in heaven. It was to God and for God. That's original music. First time ever done. That's where it it happened at. God invented music. God likes music. And there is something spiritual, supernatural and powerful about it. Now we know Satan has fallen. And so you have to know that in the world in which we live, there's there's music out there that is inspired by him. And the words are come from him and the attitudes come from him. The things that are being promoted come from him. You want to be careful as a Christian, what you take in passively, musically. There is music in the same way that somebody can sit under the inspiration of God and God give them a song and they write it. But it was inspired by the spirit of God and the song would agree with the word of God. It would be edifying to the spirit of God. God gave it to them and they write it and they put it to music and it's used for worship. Um, and it's supernatural and it's powerful and God uses it, that same thing works the other way. And I've listened to many artists acknowledge that they sat in a room and high on drugs or whatever, that just something would come in and give them a whole album right there. Eminem has said this, Jay-Z has said this. Many of the people that people listen to out there, they, I don't take heed heavily to what people say about musicians. But when they go on an interview and say, man, I was in this room, I was I was a four day heroin binge. And then something came over me, man. And I just I don't know what it was, but I just I saw I, I didn't stop writing for five days. And I got that whole album and I put it out to the world and cursed you with it. <laughs> they don't know that they cursed you with it, but that's what they did. I just say all that to say, be careful what you listen to. Don't be open to just any and everything. There is something supernatural and powerful right here. There was something powerful enough about David's playing of the harp that the evil spirits had to kick to the curb. They had to get lost. That's why the environment of church is is important. Right? The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When we come together one thing that makes church well, this is one of God's environments. When we come together, there's prayer. That's God We're talking to God. There's worship. We're singing and singing songs and praising and worshiping God. We're studying the word where God is speaking back to us. It's all Everything in this environment is to him, from him, about him, for him. So this becomes an environment where, God, you, you could be sitting in church and it may not be something I said. The spirit of God would be talking to you about something you needed to hear from the Lord. I've sat in church before and the pastor was preaching his message and I'm sitting there and God is like shoo, just giving me something else that I needed to hear but I'm just in this I know I'm in an environment where God's like I'm at work in this environment the club is that environment on in reverse right Satan's music Satan's people Satan's kids everything in that environment is used to, is about something else and so you'll get something else so y'all, y'all don't be out at the club it's just a short short answer so as we wrap this up we learned at least this that God the way God chooses, God looks at our hearts. God, looks, God is able to see beyond what people see. He sees beyond the surface of what's on the outside, the surface of what we present. And God looks right at the heart of man, right at the heart of woman, for what's really there. So we want to be careful to keep our lives in such a way. We don't want to get so good at faking out everybody else and thinking that we're doing good. And God's like, but I'm looking at your heart. It's not good. We want to take care to be good where God sees. Amen that what God sees is right and pleasing to him because he's looking at all of our hearts. Uh, We learn from this chapter that it's important that we seek the Lord for his spirit upon our lives to empower us to serve, that we wouldn't be ashamed to do small things, never knowing that the small thing you're faithfully doing here is going to open the door for the, the other thing that God wants to do later. And that we wouldn't be bashful or shy about our gifts Because as we use our gifts for God's glory here, again, we never know what other doors God may want to open up. Be willing and faithful with the gifts God has given you. Don't be be ashamed or bashful or shy about giving God everything that you have. And so we're going to pray and uh, ask the Lord to just bless. I'm asking just to bless you guys. Help us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lesson that you've given us through uh, Saul, through david through your anointing of him lord through samuel i thank you god that your word is living and powerful and through it you speak to us and reveal truth god i pray you would help us help us to be men and women that are yielded to your spirit filled with your spirit willing to exercise our gifts faithful in the small things that god you might bring us into everything that you intend to do in us and through us and for us Help us to be mindful of what we take in musically, Lord, that we would only be, will we take in things that glorify you, that please you, and that we push aside those things that uh, would grieve you, uh, Lord, or conflict us in our relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for the time that we've had. Uh, pray you receive this worship now in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word, As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel. And the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on a transforming world.